Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. It's wonderful. Isn't the body of Christ amazing? That we're from so many diverse backgrounds, but we're all one body. I love that. Okay, so uh, I want you to turn to the person next to you this morning and look at them in the eye and say, I need you. Now, look at the same person and say, you need me. Can you guys put those slides up there for me? Okay, Okay. so what I want to bring to you this morning is uh, a message about relationships. I believe this is very essential for us. You might think this is kind of basic, but... Um, I don't know, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about this a lot lately and telling me that this is so essential in the next season of what God is doing in the body of Christ because um, we cannot do this alone. Amen? Now, if you look at this next picture, this next slide, only if you are older will you understand what this is. Um, Some of you, maybe, if you're like maybe older than 35 or 40 you will remember the Marlboro Man. Does anybody remember him? Okay, so uh, this was back in the day when, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the United States, we used to allow cigarettes to be advertised in print. They don't allow that anymore in my country. They stopped. And, but this was a huge campaign back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, they used this guy, the Marlboro Man. He was always on a horse. He was always out in the great outdoors somewhere out west. Uh, He always had a cigarette in his mouth, and he looked so tough and so confident, and he was the picture of the macho man. But And and what this thing was communicating to us is that if you really want to be strong, if you really want to be cool, if you really want to be that macho guy, you got to do it alone. He was always, always alone. Now, things didn't really work out that great because the guy who portrayed the Marlboro Man. He actually died of lung cancer. That wasn't really good advertising for cigarettes. But that campaign actually was really a dud because that's not true. You're not better alone. And, you know, in today's culture, we're still promoting these ideas. If you look at this next slide, you will see some of our current heroes uh, that we, we like in movies And, you know, can you think of what might be the common denominator in all of those superheroes? And that is that they are all loners. I mean, Iron Man, you know, he does have a girlfriend. He's he's afraid of commitment, so he's not married to her. And he lives on the top of this, you know, skyscraper and makes all these cool inventions. But he's always by himself lying around. And then Batman, of course, you know, he either is in his cave or he's sitting on the top of a skyscraper at night by himself looking out over the city. And then you have Han Solo, and he did have a sidekick, but he was like this weird creature. And, you know, uh, he, he, he was afraid of commitment as well. And then you have Superman who fell from another planet and, you know, raised by these sort of foster parents, and he was a loner. And now we have this girl, this new Star Wars heroine, and, you know, her parents were killed when she was a little girl. She lives in a hole in the ground, and she's raised by thugs, and, and then she becomes this superhero. So it's telling us that the way to become really cool and really important is by being alone. 
And I want to tell you today that is not what the Bible says. We need each other and relationships are what is going to make us thrive. And we've got to have those relationships in our life in order to fulfill our purpose. Amen. You need people in your life and those people need you. Amen. So I want to look at a couple of scriptures, very basic scriptures this morning. Both are are written uh, by the apostle John. One is in his gospels. One is in his first epistle. Uh, John 13, 34 and 35 says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. Everybody say by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So the Bible says, this is really the best evangelism strategy. It's not, people are not going to know we are disciples of Jesus Christ because we have the right cool t-shirts or because we have the cool bumper sticker on our car or because we have the perfect setup in our church with the right lights and the right stage uh, presence and the right smoke machines. That is not what's going to make people know that we are disciples of Jesus. What's going to convince people is when they look at the Christian church and they see the love of Christ and they actually see how we love each other. Amen. I believe that's how we're going to reach Canada because I believe this applies across all lines. It applies across all cultural barriers is when we love one another, that's when people are going to know. Amen. And then. The apostle John wrote this in his first epistle. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So what that's telling us is you cannot say that you love God if you hate people. If you have issues in your heart toward people, then you have an issue with God. You can't get around that because see, I don't know how it is in Canada. I spend, you know, I I go to a lot of countries. I travel a lot. I spend most of my time in my country and in the United States, we, there's a lot of Christians who have this idea that it's just me and Jesus. You know, I get up in the morning and I get my coffee and I get my Bible and I have my time with God and I'll listen to my favorite podcast and I'll listen to my favorite worship music And then I'm just, you know, enjoying the presence of God in my life. And then I get in my car and I go down the road and I get to Finch and 400. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, upset at people. I'm, I'm, I'm upset because this guy wants to pull in front of me and he didn't wait long enough. He didn't wait like everybody else. He's pulling in front. And so I'm tempted to say some very not unkind things to him through my window. I might even be tempted to roll down my window and say something to him. Or I might be, you know, I'm not portraying the love of Christ in my car because it's, it's like I'm just worshiping Jesus. I wish people would get out of my way. Hello. That's not Christianity. If you look at this next slide, I want to remind you that Christianity is horizontal. You know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it's true that he died so that we could be reconciled to God. So he, he was crucified on that, 
on that pole and they nailed his feet to that, to that wood. And when he died, his blood was shed so that we could have a relationship with God. So our vertical relationship with God was restored. Amen. But he was also crucified like this. He was nailed to a cross like this. Because when he died on the cross, he did not just die so that we could be restored to God. He died so that we could be in right relationship with one another. That is just as important. And we can say, well, you know, I got this going on. And I just wish everybody would get out of my way so that I can have more of this. And God is saying, hey, guess what? I died on the cross. I paid for your sins so that you can do this. Amen. Let's look at another scripture from uh, the book of first Peter. This is the apostle Peter speaking to us. And he says, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Everybody say sincere. Fervently love one another from the heart. Now that word sincere is. It's really, really, you know, in the Greek, I can just act like I'm really cool. I know what the Greek means. It's the word anipokritos, but it means unfeigned, not fake, without hypocrisy or genuine. Amen? So tell the person next to you, don't be fake. And then the word fervently in the Greek, ektinos, it actually means stretched. So if we're going to fervently love one another, then we are going to be stretched in that process. Did you know that God might actually bring somebody in your life who is hard to love and it's going to require you to be stretched more than you ever imagined? And they might actually go to Weston Road Church. That's very possible. God puts us in families. That person might actually be in your real family. Hello? Do you, know, do you think he could put somebody in your family that's going to stretch your love or in your church? And what we often want to do is when we get in an uncomfortable situation and God brings brother or sister sandpaper into our life, what we want to do is run. What we want to do is get away from that. What we want to do is avoid those kinds of issues. But God wants to put you in the middle of that. He wants to connect you with those people so that he can hone and shape and chisel and deal in your life so that he can make you a true lover of God. Amen. Are you all willing to be stretched? You see, this is a concern for me because I, I, as I travel, I look at the church and I see a lot of people who have been wounded. People who have been wounded in relationships. Sometimes they've been wounded at home, in family. Sometimes they've been wounded in romantic relationships, in marriage or dating. And a lot of times we Christians can be hurt in church. And as a result, what we do is we pull back. And, uh, or we create what I call a force field and, and we sort of, you know, we might've been in one church where we got hurt. And so we come to the next church and when we arrive, we do this and it's basically saying, don't come any closer. I have a very 
uh, you know, wide personal space. And I'm not letting in just anybody in to my personal space because I don't want to get hurt again. And that's how we protect ourselves from being hurt. But God sent me here to tell you, Western Road Church, we got to get rid of the force field and we got to be willing to embrace relationships once again. Amen. Because you have been called to be a loving church. You have been called. God has put you where you are. He's placed you in the community where you are. He's going to be growing this church. I believe your church is getting ready to go to a whole new season of growth and expansion. And a lot of new people are going to be coming. And those people are going to be hurting. Those people are going to be wounded. And you cannot heal a wounded person if you are still wounded. We're going to have to get healed. Amen. So there's some, some simple steps that I want to share with you this morning about how we're going to do that. Number one is, if you put that slide up there, is that we're going to have to come out of hiding. As I said, many, many people in the church today, they, they, can, they can sneak in to the building. And the bigger the church, the easier it is to come in and sit somewhere where you don't really have to be stretched and you can maintain this vertical relationship with God, but you don't really have to do this. And Western Road, I want to challenge you. It's time for every one of us, if we've been hurt, if we've allowed ourselves to go into that little room and, and, and hide ourselves from pain, it's time for us to come out of that. Amen? Um, I don't have this scripture on the screen, but you can, you can write down Acts 2, 42. You know, in the book of Acts, it's the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the early church. And we know that in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the early disciples. And they were filled with the Spirit. And we love to read that story, how the wind came in and the fire came on everyone's head. And they spoke in tongues and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, they had this amazing encounter with God. But then right after that, after there's an, in, uh, 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 there's a, an influx of people and thousands of people come to know Jesus on that first day of Pentecost, the Bible says that uh, those early disciples began to de- be devoted to certain things. And in Acts 2.42, it says they were devoted to four things. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is what we're doing right here, teaching and doctrine and understanding the Bible. It says they were devoted to prayer. It says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And it also says they were devoted to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. And that word fellowship is a fancy Greek word called koinonia. If you could put that word up on the screen, let's all say that together. Koinonia. Koinonia. I love this word and I love the way that it appears in the Bible, because in Acts 2.42, that's actually the first place that the word koinonia appears. Because you cannot have koinonia, true fellowship, you cannot have that without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the reason we have this connection with one another. Fellowship is the supernatural connection that we have with one another in Christ. 
How do you explain the fact that we have Nigerians and people from Ghana and Korea and Pakistan and India in the midst of a bunch of Italians? How do you explain that that can happen? That is not normal. It happens because of supernatural Holy Spirit koinonia. Because when I have the Holy Spirit in me and you have the Holy Spirit in you, there is a connection that happens and it creates a supernatural bond. Amen. Now, I've noticed that some cultures kind of tend to be a little bit more uh, embracing of koinonia than others. I don't understand that, but it's just what I've witnessed. Um, If you look at this next picture, this is a group of my friends from a church in Puerto Rico. Uh, It's called Casa del Padre. These are the leaders of the church. And I've been to this church about five times. It's one of my favorite churches on earth. And the first time that I went there, uh, they told me that I would be speaking at the morning service on Sunday morning. I think it started at 1030, just like you guys. And then uh, they were not in a too big of a hurry to end the service, but I think we ended about 1230. And then nobody was leaving the church. Uh, everybody was hanging around, everyone was talking, everybody was kissing, everybody was passing babies around, everybody was, you know, this is Puerto Rico, and everybody was loud. And then, and then they started moving tables around and bringing in chairs, and then all of a sudden they were bringing out these, these delicious Puerto Rican dishes, uh, pasteles and, and tostones and arroz con habichuelas rosadas and all these delicious uh, foods. I'm, I'm making myself hungry here. And then we had this incredible meal, all this Puerto Rican food, and it got louder and laughing. And, 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 and you know, it was just so amazing, the fellowship. And Puerto Ricans like to, their personal space is very, you know, here. And, uh, and so we were, we were just in each other's faces talking and laughing. And finally, when we finished the meal, and it was, it was kind of like, I think it might be time to go. I looked at my watch, and it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And nobody still wanted to go. And then when I, I, my, my host, Pastor Luis, said, I'm, I'm going to take you to your hotel if you want to rest. But he said, by the way, we're going to go over to so-and-so's apartment tonight. A lot of us are going to go there, and there's a swimming pool, and we're just going to hang out and swim. And if you want to come... If you're not too tired, we want to we wanna just fellowship some more. And so I went there, and we didn't come back from that until 10 o'clock that night. Now, so I know some of you are looking at your watch going, I am not staying here today until 10 o'clock tonight. It doesn't really work in a school like this. But why was that? It was because the fellowship was so intense, and the people were so loving, and they enjoyed being together. And... And, and, and there was just, it was supernatural fellowship. Now, I don't know what it is about why it's easier for Puerto Ricans to do that. And I know it might be a little bit more of a stretch for Canadians. Maybe it's because of your cold weather. I don't know. But I believe that when we receive the Holy Spirit's uh, life and power in our hearts, that should make us be more warm and engaging in koinonia. Amen. And we need to open our hearts to that because some of, some of us have created a personal space that is pretty far out there 
And we may just say, well, this is my culture. This is how I do it in my country. But God says, what do you want? Do you want your culture, the culture of your country, or do you want the culture of the kingdom of God? Because the culture of the kingdom of God is koinonia. And the Bible says they were devoted to koinonia. If you look at this next slide, I talk about devotion. A couple of years ago, I got, I got very uh, uh, just intentional about my fitness. And I decided I'm going to eat right and I'm going to start exercising because I want to be able to do what I do for many years. And I, and I decided to be devoted to that. But you have to make a decision that you're going to be devoted to koinonia. It's something that we choose. It's something that we decide. We're not going to live our lives in isolation anymore, but we are going to make room in our hearts for each other. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay, number two, the next step. Or actually, let me go. Would you go back to one scripture there? I had it in book of Hebrews. I just want to remind you, this is not a super popular scripture today, but it's in the Bible, and so I'm going to read it. Because a lot of times people use this scripture and they hit people over the head with it. Like, why didn't you come to church today? But the Bible is very clear that what we're doing right now is important. Being together on a, on a Sunday morning is important. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have to make a decision that we're going to be devoted to one another. And that also means we're going to be together in church. This is why we come together. It's really not an option for us. And I find that a lot of Christians, they have this idea that, you know, I don't feel good this morning or I had a rough weekend or, you know, I have a hangnail. And so... It's okay for me to stay home this Sunday. I'll just watch my favorite TV preacher on television, or I'll just enjoy Bedside Baptist, or I will enjoy the Church of the Inner Springs. Y'all didn't get that. I'll just stay home. And we think that, you know, it's okay because I'll, I'll listen to the podcast I'll, you know, I'll listen to what Pastor Jonathan says during the week. But the thing is, this is where we miss it. Because you are not here in church for you. You are here to give to others. The Bible says we come to church to encourage one another. So it's not about me. It's not about you when we come to church. It's about what you have to give to somebody else. When I come to church, I should be praying, Lord, who do you want me to encourage when I'm there? Amen? So tell the person next to you, it's not about you. Okay, second point is that we have to let go of our hurts. How many of you in here are not married? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Now look around. (laughs) I, I counsel a lot of young unmarried, especially guys. And a lot of times a guy will come to me and he'll say, I, I, I like this girl. I'd like to t- take her out. And I'll be like, well, what's stopping you from, uh, go ahead and put that next slide up. What's stopping you from talking to her? What's stopping you from asking her out to uh, Aroma Coffee Place or whatever? 
And usually what I find is they're, they're nervous about it and they're hesitant about it because they were in a relationship before and they got hurt. And a lot of times it's because they got their own heart broken. And so they don't want to get in a situation again where they're going to get hurt. I understand that. But you know what I tell any young unmarried person? Relationship always, always requires risk. There's no way you're ever going to be in a relationship where there's not risk. And the same is true of church. If you put up this next slide, I believe maybe when you guys move into your building, you need to put this sign in the parking lot of the church. I think every church should do this. Because a lot of Christians have this idea that, you know, I'm coming to church, but nobody better hurt me because if they do, I'm out of here. And the thing is, we got to accept the fact that relationships are always going to be risky. And when you go to church and you are surrounded by imperfect people, and even if you go to the perfect church, you just walked into it. So now it is not perfect anymore. And so when you are in that church, these are imperfect fallen people who love Jesus, but they're going to make mistakes. And the truth of the matter is we're all going to get hurt when we are doing the work of the kingdom together. And so we need to just accept the fact that this is the truth. We're, 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 there's going to be risk involved, but we've got to open our hearts and we've got to let go of whatever happened before. And what I always like to do is always think about Jesus Christ and what he went through. If you put up, put up that picture of, of Jesus, you know, when Jesus was a baby, they tried to kill him. Uh, when he went to his hometown, they didn't want him there. They said he was crazy. His own family rejected him. The religious leaders rejected him. And the religious leaders ended up crucifying him. And some of Jesus' own followers His disciples either betrayed him or denied him. And yet, what did Jesus do when he died on that cross and he stretched out his arms? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That has to be our attitude. If Jesus put up with all of that, even from religious people and from family and from his own followers, then who are we to say, okay, that... I'm I'm not accepting that anymore. That pastor hurt me or that woman in the church hurt me or that guy hurt me or my friend betrayed me or this happened or that happened. And sometimes there is drama in the church. We can't avoid that. But what we can do is respond in the right way through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can respond the way God intended for us to. And that is what we have in this scripture that I'm about to read in Ephesians chapter 4. If you'd go to that scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 through 32, this has to be our response when we are hurt. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We have to push the reset button every time when we get hurt. And we have to dial in and we have to say, God, 
I'm mad at that person. They did it again. This has been three times. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm rejecting them. I'm unfriending them. I'm cutting them out of Facebook. I'm, I'm rejecting them. And God says, you're grieving me because you're supposed to be forgiving. We grieve the Holy Spirit and we actually are tearing the body of Christ apart when we don't apply forgiveness. And Weston Road, I want to challenge you. You're getting ready to step into a new season of your history. You're going into a new building. It's been beautifully remodeled. There's going to be new people showing up. There's going to be a lot of new people moving into your neighborhood. There's going to be a lot of opportunity to reach a lot of new people for Jesus. But if our hearts are not right, if we're still holding anger towards somebody in this church because of what they did two years ago, because of what they said to you or what they said to somebody else about you or what they posted on Facebook that made you mad or what they didn't post on Facebook because you thought they should be offended at what you were offended at and they weren't. And that's how it goes today. We've got to quit being so petty and get rid of the drama and just say, Lord, I'm going to be a forgiving person. I'm going to allow that to be my attitude. Amen. Are y'all ready to go there? Okay. Then let's look at this final step that we're going to have to make. And that is that you've got to open your heart again. Some people in this room today, you have been closed And you've been just, and and I understand, listen, I know, I've listened to the pain that happens in the church. I understand, I'm not justifying anybody's behavior. But I'm just telling you that when when, when it comes down to when we are hurt, you know, God can deal with the other person about what they did. And we have to trust him to deal with them. But we have to keep our hearts open. And we have to be willing to let go of the hurt and forgive. Amen. And that includes opening your heart again, because some people say, I've been hurt too many times. I'm done. I'm not going to serve in that part of church anymore. I'm not going to be around those people anymore. I'm not going to do anything in church to serve because they're going to do this again to me. So I'm just going to sit and I'm going to live in my little bubble and I'm going to stay away from the hurt and the pain. And God is challenging us this morning to open our hearts. Amen. Are y'all willing to do that? Let me ask you this. Now, remember, I'm speaking to a lot of, a lot of people in this room are Italian. So I think you're going to like this. Uh, Would you agree with me that if something is in the Bible five times, we should pay attention to it? Okay. Well, you don't have to write these references down, but Romans 16, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, and 1 Peter 5, 14. They all say the same thing. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. I know some Italians that don't have a problem with that. But I know a lot of other people that What they say is, well, that was cultural. That was for back in those days. Uh, That was what they did back in the New Testament times. But that's not a norm for us. And it's totally fine if you just want to, you know, shake hands. That's good. Uh, That's thank you. That's all. That's as close as I need to get to you. But you know what? When I read the New Testament and it talks about fervent love, 
And it talks about koinonia. It talks about being devoted to one another in love. It feels to me like their love was hot for one another. It feels like they had a lot of affection. It feels like that they were, if, if you would forgive me for this term, but I really think that the New Testament church was slobbery. I know that's not true of most Canadians. I know we don't live in a slobbery culture. We're, we're you know, the cold weather kind of keeps us at a distance. But you know what? I think that there's a correlation between the amount of affection we show to one another and the level of fervent love that we have for one another. And I think we actually need to go up a few notches. Amen? Now, that's where we get really like, what are you telling me to do? You know? Are you telling me that I need to reduce the amount of personal space in my life? I'm asking you to pray about it. Because I think when I'm around people who really, really love people and they really love God and they have what I would call koinonia in their lives, they're not afraid to throw their arms around me. They're not afraid to show affection. Now, look at this next picture. And just I want to ask for your reaction. Go to that next slide. And I want to ask everybody's reaction to that picture. What do you normally do when you see a cute little baby... What do you want to do? What do you want to say when you see that? Everybody's like, oh, and if, if they put that baby in your arms, you're probably going to kiss every square inch of that bald head. That's how we, why do we do that? Why do we react that way? It's because we are created in the image of God and God is that way. God put that in our hearts. He put it in our, in, our, in our DNA so that when somebody puts a baby in our arms, we just want to go. Why is that? It's who we are because we are children of God. And that is actually how the father responds to you. Some of you have never experienced that. You've never allowed God to love you that way. But the truth is when the father holds you in his arms, he's going, mm. he loves you that way. And he created us with a need for affection. They've proven this. Scientists, doctors have proven that the human, human beings need affectionate touch seven times a day in order to thrive. When somebody... Uh, touches you in a meaningful way. It might even be, I'm going to shake Abraham's hand. It might just be a a handshake. It might be a high five. It might be a fist bump. Uh, It might be a pat on the back. It might be just doing that. I'm not going to do that to Spencer. He's got too much gel. I can do it to Jonathan. It's easy. Shine that. Buff it up good. Wow, what do you put on there? Sweat. (laughs) But see, when I do that to somebody, the uh, doctors have proven that endorphins start pumping into your system and you actually, your immune system gets stronger when people do that. That has been proven. But I find that in the church, a lot of times we have this very formal thing going. And if we've got hurt, 
We've got a few layers of pain. We've got this pastor hurt us, and this person in the previous church hurt us, and this person in the previous church hurt us. And so we've built this this wall, and we're like this, and it's kind of like, thank you very much. And we're just become very formal. And we don't allow people in our hearts. I want to challenge you this morning. We got to open our hearts again to the love of God. Amen. You know, uh, if you would go to the next picture, I think I shared this uh, Friday night with the people who came to that meeting. But this is uh, a, a, a little collage that I have on my phone uh, that I use to pray for my family. And these are pictures of my family. I have my parents. I have my wife. I have my four daughters with their sons, with my sons-in-law. I have my fourth daughter. She's in the middle on the bottom row. She's 25 years old and she's still available. If you're interested, see me after. I have my three grandkids and I pray for them all the time. And you know what? Every one of these people is special in my heart. Uh, And, you know, I, I was reading in the Bible recently and I noticed something about the Apostle Paul. He, he would say to his spiritual son, Timothy, you are my beloved son. And then he would say that to Titus. And then he would say that to somebody else. And he was calling everybody my beloved. And then he says it to the Ephesians. He says it to the Romans. He says it to the Thessalonians. He says it to uh, the Philippians. In fact, Paul called every church that he wrote to, he called them beloved he called every church beloved except the Galatians. I think maybe because he was a little ticked off at the time when he wrote to them. But my question was, how can you call all these people beloved? Because when I looked up the word beloved, it means favorite. How can all those people be favorite when there's so many of them? But you know what? When I look at those people, they're all my favorites. I mean, I can tell you my wife is my favorite. I can also tell you my daughters are my favorite. I can tell you positively that my Ethiopian grandson is my favorite. And I love them with that kind of love. And it's because, you know what? We receive from God the capacity to love people like that. God loves people. And he can say to every one of the people in this room today that you are his favorite. That's how he loves us. How he can do that with billions of people, I don't understand, but it's because his love is so big. So would you tell the person next to you, you are God's favorite? Actually, tell, look at them again and say, I am God's favorite. I'm going to do something this morning that we actually did on Friday night, but I felt like we should do it again. I want to give a little demonstration to close this out and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for Jesus to pour out his healing on us because there are people here today who have closed their hearts. There are people who have been hurt. Maybe you've been hurt in previous churches. Maybe you've been hurt in your family. Maybe you've been hurt in this church and you've closed your heart and God is challenging you this morning to open your heart again. Let go of that hurt, let go of that resentment and let the love of God pour in like never before. But I want to give a little demonstration. When I first came to this church 
in 2013, it was because of my dear, dear friend, Michael Coretti, who was the pastor at the time. And he happens to be in the room, in the back, hiding. I want to ask Michael to come up here, please. Run down here, Michael. Thank you. You thought I was not going to notice you back there, right? They drove all the way from Brantford this morning. And, and when I met Michael at a meeting in Montreal in 2012, God supernaturally connected us. It was, it was the Holy Spirit. It was, a, it was a supernatural bond. And so at that time, God connected us like this. You guys can put that next picture up there. I think I have a picture of Michael and I. And I also have a picture of Jonathan. And Jonathan, I met that time, 2013, and then we stayed in touch, and God began to connect us. So, Jonathan, would you run up here and do this? How many of you understand how this works, that you have people in your life that you know God has connected you to? Amen? And it's not just like, you know, you know them socially. It's not just like it's a, an acquaintance. It's like when you met them, the spirit of God jumped up inside of you and, and you just knew there was something special about this connection. I knew that when I met Michael so many years ago, that this was going to be a friendship that I would have my whole life. And this weekend that I've been with Jonathan has been really special because I just see such incredible grace on his life. And I see what God is doing in this church. And I just am so honored to be a part of him and of you through him. Right. But when God connects us like this, we have what the Bible calls a bond. It's a spiritual bond. And the Bible says that we're supposed to cherish and preserve that bond. We need the connection that we have with one another. I need these guys because when I'm having a hard time and I'm sinking, I need somebody with, with these guys strength to hold me up. Right? Thank you. And then if, if there's some wind, you know, that's blowing and I'm falling, then they're going to be stabilizers and they're going to help me. So that I don't fall, right? You promise me you're going to do that, right? And I'm going to do the same for, for them, right? How many of you are grateful that God has put those people in your life? Amen. So I want everybody to stand up. If you were here Friday night, we did this, but we're going to do it again. And I want you to link arms and I want you to cross the aisles, okay? I don't want any division. I don't want any gaps, Everybody come across. Some of you are saying, no, we're not moving over. They have to move over. We're going to wait until you all connect, okay? There's, uh, there's some huge gaps here in the middle. You guys need to scoot. See, if you'd all been sitting next to each other, this would have been easier. <laughs> now, I want you to squeeze those bonds. Now, don't hurt anybody. But Now, if you want to try sinking for a minute and see if they'll hold you up. Good. And then if you want to try leaning. 
Doesn't it feel good to be together? You see, this is what the body of Christ is all about. We are connected. We are joined. The Bible says we are joined to one another by every joint that supplies. And we're a body. We're connected. We're not just a bunch of individuals floating around, a bunch of lone rangers, a bunch of marble men wandering around in the, in the West. We are a community. Amen. So I want to pray for you right now as we're, as we're holding on to these bonds. And then, and then we're just going to do one more thing to pray and close this out. Father, I thank you today for the miracle of Western Road Church. I thank you, Lord, for the series of miracles you've done over the years. Lord, to raise up this church to be an expression of your love and of your, of your mercy and your salvation to this community. But, Father, we know we're getting ready to go into a whole new season. We're getting ready to go to a season of growth and expansion. And, Lord, we are going to be going into a season of harvest where many, many people, broken and hurting people, are going to be coming into the doors of that church that's been renovated. And, Lord, it's not about the building. It's about us. It's about this community and that what they're looking for is the community. They're looking for the love. They're looking for the acceptance and the affirmation. They're looking for the healing that they need from all the brokenness and the hurt. And Lord, I pray that we would be a strong net, a strong connected people. And that Lord, all those people who come in the doors of Western road, Lord, they would be, they would surely look at the love that they see among this congregation and they would say they are truly followers of Christ and that they would want to be a part of us. So Lord, I ask that you strengthen the bonds. I ask that you, uh, Lord cause every heart to open Lord cause us to put away our hurts, cause us Lord to open our hearts again, to be willing to love in Jesus name. Now you can keep your heads bowed. And if you would just let go of the of the connections there for a moment. I just, in this last moment this morning, we're about to close and I'm going to hand Jonathan the mic, but I want to ask you today, if there's anybody here and you would just say, you know what? I, I have been hurt. I have been guilty of closing my heart. I know that I need to open my heart again. I know that I need to forgive somebody. It might be somebody from a long time ago. It might be somebody who's in your family, or it might even be somebody who's here, but you know that you need to resolve something and that the Lord wants to really by his spirit, he wants to heal that place so that you can fully open your heart again and love the way he wants. If that's you, I want to invite you just in this moment, just to slip out of where you are. And we're just going to have just a holy moment. We're not going to draw attention to any person, but I want you to just have this moment that you can come up here and we're going to pray for you as a group. Just come out and just stand in this altar area here. We're going to pray over you. We're going to, we're going to ask Jesus by his Holy spirit to touch you, to heal your heart. There's people here. There's someone here who, uh, your relationship with your mother was very stormy and it continues to kind of haunt you. And you've had a hard time being in relationships, uh, particularly with older women because of that. And God wants to reach down and heal you this morning. There's, there's somebody that you were in a very abusive kind of church situation. And there was some really, really harsh things said and done. 
And uh, it has caused you to just be paralyzed. You, you're not able to reach out and be a friend to people. And there's been fear and there's been intimidation. And God wants you to come down and, and, and let him heal that. I, I feel there's just a few more. We're going to just wait on the Holy Spirit just a few more moments. Because really, you know, the reason why we don't step out is because we, we don't trust people. And, and we're afraid if I go down, somebody's going to see me and they're going to think something terrible about me. Folks, I want you to know the church is a safe place. The church is the safest place for us to come and receive healing. So don't worry about what people think this morning, but let your heart open to the love of God this morning. Come on down. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. The Lord knows your issues. He knows your hurt. And he's, he's, he's getting ready to just pour his love into your heart this morning. And uh, it was worth it this morning that my trip here was worth it just for you, son. Anyone else that needs to join us, just run down here quickly. Thank you, Lord. And those of you who are in the, in the congregation, just extend your hands as we pray over these. I'm going to pray over them, and then I'm going to let Pastor Jonathan pray over, over these people. They are precious members of his flock, and we're going to thank God this morning. Uh, and and um, Michael, if you want to even go around and just lay hands on them as I pray, and Jonathan, you can do that too. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for these precious people who have come to this altar this morning. And, Lord, they are humbling themselves to say that, Lord, they don't want to be loners. They don't want to live life in isolation. But, Lord, they are opening their hearts today, Lord, for total and complete healing. Father, the hurts and the disappointment of the past. Father, we thank you that your blood has, has covered those experiences, those moments, those hurts, those words, that betrayal, whatever we've walked through. Lord, we thank you this morning that your blood has covered that. And today you give us the grace to forgive anybody in our lives that hurt us. And Lord, I thank you today that those who felt paralyzed and those who have felt like they were living in a, in a box, those who felt like they were just closed in, that today you're breaking the box off of them and they're coming out of hiding and they're embracing once again the love of God. And they are going to be lovers of people. They are going to allow themselves to be stretched. We thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you in the name of Jesus. And son, I just want to declare over you that God is breaking that spirit of intimidation that tried to push you down and close you down. And he's getting ready to bring some very loving people into your life. And they're going to get very close and you're going to allow them. And they are going to uh, just be, uh, they're going to be like the hands and feet of Jesus in your life. Open up your heart to those people that he's going to put in your life and he's going to put the pieces back together again. Your heart that has been broken and bleeding, he's going to put it back together in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the healing touch of Jesus. Lord, working deep, deep inside of this brother. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for the work that you're doing in his life. Pastor Jonathan, would you just pray over these? Thank you, Lord. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. Father, thank you that you brought a word in season. And for those who are here, who are here to receive, Lord, we thank you for the brokenness. 
Because, Lord, when we come to you broken, you put the pieces of life back together again. Father, I thank you that whatever was lost in years past, Lord, would you redeem now by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Restore the years that have been wasted in isolation. And, Father, we pray that you would bring a release, Lord, and a freedom like they've never experienced. And, Father, as they open up their hearts to trust again and to love again, Father, that they would find, Lord, that there's so much love to give. Because, Father, you gave us the greatest love of all. And, Father, not that we would keep it for ourselves, but to share it with everyone that we would encounter. So, Father, today we thank you for healing in Jesus' name. We thank you for healing Lord, of our past, of our past experiences. Lord, we even forgive those who've offended us or who've wronged us. For Father, your word says that we've been forgiven of much. Now we must forgive others. And so this morning, God, we stand in awe of who you are. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and how it has the ability to cut straight through the noise of life right to the core of the situation that we might be facing. And today, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for we find our freedom in Jesus Christ alone. And so, God, from this day forward, may we be a church who knows what true koinonia means, what true fellowship not just means as a dictionary definition, but, Lord, that we would live it out, that we would experience it and walk in koinonia with one another. And so, Father, we thank you that you are shaping us to be the church you want us to be. Lord, as it was spoken in, in the message this morning, that as new people would come, Lord, you brought healing today so that we can be used, Lord, to extend healing and friendship and love to many others. And so, God, let it be so in our church. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would seal the work seal the work that you are doing in every heart, in every life, and in every family, and in every situation by your power alone. And so, Father, we thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray this today. And let the church say amen. And amen and amen. We thank you, Father. As we close today, um, know that next week we have our service here. And uh, I pray that you wouldn't miss it. Do everything you can to be a part of, of when we assemble together, as Hebrews instructs us. And as we do that, as we become the church God wants us to be, we're going to see that He will take great joy and great delight in our church, but also in your life as you faithfully walk it out every single day of your life. Now let me just give you a benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. And may we love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.